Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, a resource of Orchard Africa. The mission of Orchard Africa is to equip the church to care for the vulnerable. For three decades, a passionate community of churches, leaders, and donors have worked together to feed, educate, care for, and empower under-resourced communities in Southern Africa. To date, Orchard Africa and its partners have served over 10 million meals to families in need, cared for over 75,000 orphan children, and enrolled 8,000 children in high-quality early learning programs. All of this takes place through local African leaders to help communities move from survival to stability to sustainability. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable impact in the places of greatest need in our world. My name is Brian Lemieux. I'm the executive pastor, and I'm here with our co-founders of Orchard Africa, Mike and Michelle Tessendorf. Hello, everyone. Hi, hi, hi. Well, today we are uh, jumping into a topic that I've been looking forward to discussing for a while, um, and here's, here's the title. How do we pass the missional baton uh, to the TikTok generation? <laughs> so first question, how much time do you spend on TikTok? Hours, minutes? Zero. <laughs> no time. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> no time. I, uh, I'm aware that it's out there and I'm aware that it's like the next big thing in terms of uh, engaging the young generation. But I kind of think of my clock that goes TikTok. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the only app that you have. That's yeah, the, yeah. TikTok. I, I don't have time, honestly. I uh, spend some time on Instagram and Pinterest, and uh, uh, sometimes on Facebook. But I kind of have lost interest there. But you know, I find social media. It's it's kind of like a third language to me. I think this generation, uh, it's their first language. Mm. They, but mm. for me, mm. I bumble along on a third language level. Yep. So, mm. I'm a dad of teenagers, and inevitably, each one of them has their own platform. So I can't even just be on one. My son's on <laughs> Discord, and my daughter's on Snapchat, and my other daughter, Chloe, is on a new one. And so um, I've kind of given up. I'm... I can text them, and I, I, can, I can usually get them all that way. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible for me to keep up and uh, even just to stay interested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've just mentioned two words which I'm not familiar with, Discord. Yeah. Uh, and and what Sna uh, Snapchat, I'm aware of that one, so <laughs> not as old as what I might look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. But, the, I mean, when, when does it stop, and what makes one preferable mm -hmm. over another one mm -hmm. I, 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 it blows my mind mm -hmm. honestly yeah mm -hmm. yeah well that's not the actual topic of today TikTok. i think our expertise may be at its limit right now um, when it comes to that platform but we want to talk today about how do we pass on the the heart for caring for the needs of the vulnerable in our world or mm being missionally minded or mm. responding to the call of Jesus to mm. go and make disciples of all nations. How do we, how do we pass that on to um, our kids and then their kids and then in generations on? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things that I'm aware of is um, people who make a career out of being a influencer on TikTok, uh, TikTok or one of the other platforms. Mm. And uh, this is our platform to be influencers. And um, our, our heart really is to create some kind of influence of passing the baton 
mm. South African word, baton. Mm. Yes, mm. it's mm. not to a To the next generation. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> and I think we need to use the platform that God has given us. And so that's where we are today. Mm. Right. Mm. And, and God is interested in generations. It's not just about uh, the here and now. Mm. It certainly is uh, a generational issue that we are dealing with. Yeah, I mean, Scripture refers to him as the ancient of days, um, without mm. beginning, without end. And so uh, when we think about God, <coughs> his present, past, uh, present and future. Mm -hmm. And I love what it says in, in Genesis chapter 17, he, uh, God speaking and he says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. And so God is, is thinking, and uh, not just for the now, mm. he's thinking way down mm. the road mm. Uh, mm. In, in time to come. Mm. Uh, in First Chronicles 16, uh, it says of God, he remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations. Wow. A thousand generations. Yeah. Can't even conceive um, that. No, uh, but yet God is thinking generationally, constantly, eternally. Mm. Yes. And I, I really feel if, if God is interested in a thousand generations from now or then, uh, we should be mindful of at least the generation to come. And what are we passing on? And how are we um, leaving a heritage mm. that's meaningful for them? Right. Mm. I think each one of us needs to embrace our own generation. You know, that scripture says, for a time such as this. And in our generation, we need to do everything that we can uh, and that God has called us to do. But we never do that in isolation. Mm. As you said, God is a God of generations. And so there were those who came before us and there, were those that'll, there are those that will come after us. Uh, that uh, scripture in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, it says, I built the foundation, but somebody else will continue building on it. Something along those mm. lines, paraphrased. Mm. And we might be building the foundations in our generation or we might be the ones that are continuing to build on yeah, the foundations yeah. that came before us yeah. and uh, it's important for us to embrace the fact that there will be a generation coming after us and part of our calling for a time such as this is to pass the baton on to make sure that the next generation is equipped and engaged in uh, reaching the last for the world yeah. and uh, more than that uh, is engaged in justice and is engaged in caring for the vulnerable and all the things that the church is called to do. Mm. And that is such a challenge today as <coughs> technology gets faster and faster and our vision gets more and more short-sighted and we're thinking about, uh, you know, what do I, what am I going to do in the next five minutes? Mm. <laughs> to think about, a, you know, another generation is mm. uh, just so different from the way that our world works right now. And right. so it's a, it takes an intentionality to be able to say, okay, I have a vision and a calling to impact beyond my life. Mm. Right. Mm. And, and the church a few hundred years ago embraced that. If we think of the building of cathedrals, the person who had the original vision that it's now time to build a cathedral right here knew very well that they would be dead before possibly that thing had gotten 
off the foundations. Mm. But it continued knowing that at some point that cathedral will be done. And today we enjoy the beauty of those cathedrals that took so long to build. Mm. But somebody wasn't selfish enough to say, hey, this better be done in my generation. But started it in their generation which to me is just so beautiful that the church is a generational institution. Mm. Mm. I think that ties in very well with the uh, <coughs> scripture you shared from, from 1 Corinthians about laying a foundation and somebody else building on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exactly what happened when the cathedrals were built. Right. Um, I think in our experience, uh, in, in the hunger for quick results and, and you know, instant satisfaction, we've kind of lost sight that there's actually a foundation Mm. or somebody else built a foundation and we're building on that foundation Mm. instead of in each generation knocking everything flat and then starting again. Mm. And I think the the benefit of of thinking generationally is, hey, we are here because of what somebody before us built, Mm. but we want generations after us to continue building on that without having to restart and redo and reinvent and kind of lay the foundation again. And mm. I think that's something that we should be extremely, extremely mindful of passing on to the next generation is right. you don't have to start again. Mm. There's a foundation. There's a race that's already begun. There's somebody that's carrying the baton, and your job is not to re-begin the race, but to carry the baton and build on the foundation that's, that's there mm. uh, from time before you. Right, and in your generation, do everything you can but as part of that, remembering that there will come a time when you pass that baton. Yeah. Mm. I think all of us are a benefit um, of somebody else coming before us and holding that mm. baton and being willing to pass it to us. You know, I just think about the formational years of my life. It was mm. in my late teenage years, my early 20s, when I discovered a call to live a life beyond myself and to... Um, help uh, a world in need discover um, the grace and the Mm. the presence of God in their own life and to uh, live a life of purpose and meaning uh, under the Mm. call of God. And it took somebody else being intentional in my life to say, I see these things in you or to help me become aware of uh, a broader world that was in need. And if not for that person passing that baton to me, I would... Mm. I wouldn't be uh, Mm. serving the way that I do today or just living a purposeful life. Mm. And I I think all of our stories are similar similar in that regard. Those late teen years and the early 20 years, I think, are so formational in what we do with the rest of our lives. And when there's somebody that's willing to engage us and to nurture uh, that vision in us, it, it's a wonderful, fertile soil mm. in, in those early years. Mm. Mm. So how, how does it happen? How do we pass that baton? What's the, I guess, the secret to it? Uh, mm. There's so many things we could pass on. Right. Mm. And unlimited strategies. And, but you know, what, what will actually take hold? And, uh, and endure beyond uh, kind of the next fad? Well, you know, for me, it always boils down to this. It's, it's a little phrase, and I'm sure everybody's heard it before, but it's the why that keeps us on the way. Mm. 
and if we can understand the why, if we can embrace the why of what we do, uh, that'll keep people on the way. Mm-hmm. And each generation will have a different strategy, a different methodology, you know, mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. TikTok was not anywhere near yeah. my mind when I started. Um, uh, having a, a phone that I could carry around in my purse was n- never going to happen in my generation, and yet yeah, we are. But it's this idea of um, embracing what your generation wants and then uh, keeping in mind what the why is. Mm. Not mm. the methodology, mm. but the why behind that. We had different, different methodology, um, and we embraced that. But it's the mm-hmm. why that kept us mm-hmm. on the way, um, not all the, yeah. the different yeah. strategies yeah. and methods. Yeah. yeah, the why is so important, and the why endures. You know, the why we have uh, mm. as followers of Christ goes back thousands of years, and that will continue for thousands of years. But strategies and methods, they have an expiration date. Yes. At some point, they aren't as effective as they used to be, or aren't relevant anymore and but a why a why is eternal yeah you know i think of africa and um the london missionary society that a hundred and something years ago sent missionaries to south africa and these missionaries literally left their homes forever and they got on a boat and they went off to africa never expecting necessarily to go back to their home. They were committing their entire lives to a new continent. And that methodology no longer exists mm. with travel that we have. Mm. We don't need to send missionaries to Africa for an entire lifetime because there are people in Africa because of those missionaries, uh, millions of people who have come to know Christ and who believe and who uh, they themselves can take the baton on further Mm. Uh, it's no longer necessary for people to commit their entire lives Mm. to the mission field Mm. but it was back then Um, and you know sometimes in the methodology that we use we get it wrong we are not perfect humans and I think of those same missionaries who uh, were so intent on bringing the gospel to those who had not heard the gospel, which was good and great. But alongside that, they also brought their culture. And so in Africa, when people came to know Christ, not only did they come to know Christ, but they had to change their culture and adopt a Christian Mm. name Mm. or dress like the missionaries dressed. Mm. And uh, I think those are things that we can learn from the generations that come before us. The why was great that there is an entire harvest field Mm -hmm. that we could win to Christ. Mm. But sometimes we get lost up in our own culture, and I'm sure we do the same in this generation, where uh, we mix up the gospel of Christ, we mix up the issues of justice, we mix up uh, all these... um, uh, things that God has called us to do to care for the vulnerable and somehow we sprinkle in our culture mm. and the next generation might be able to sift that out. Mm-hmm. One of the lessons that I think we learned um, years ago when uh, very in the very early years of, of our ministry was the danger of culture in solving uh, crisis in Africa uh, as a result of the AIDS pandemic and that was the orphan crisis. 
Yeah. Um, there were millions and millions of orphans. And culturally, uh, the Western world wanted to respond by, if there are orphans, we need to build orphanages, create institutions, create safe places <coughs> for these orphans to be cared for. Um, and th that's not a bad thing. Um, to care for to, orphan to, to children. To care for orphan children. But culturally, from an African perspective, it goes totally across the grain of the entire community-focused um, um, idea that exists in African culture. Uh, for, in some of the African languages, there's not even a word for orphan uh, because in an African mindset, it, we're part of a community. Mm -hmm. And the children are mm. part of a community. Mm. Mm. And so if a parent is not there, there's a community mm. to raise mm. the children. And so rather than put them in an institution somewhere, uh, let's develop the community or let's uh, allow the community to carry on our culture right. by providing care for those children. Mm. And I think that's mm. Mm. just yes. a very practical lesson we saw yes. um, of what is the best way to continue the why without the culture, mm. without mix. bringing in a method Yes. That actually is is cross grained. Yes, and I think that's really important. We want to pass the baton to the next generation in a way that's healthy. Yes, yes. We we want it to be as good or or better in the mm. future, and not pass on the wrong thing. And then actually, we've caused it. Uh, we've caused trouble for the next generation because mm. we emphasize yeah. the wrong things. Mm. Right, and and in the orphan crisis, perhaps the trouble which we are seeing for those who did embrace orphanages is that you inadvertently create a displaced people group because you take these children outside of their village, outside of their culture, and put them into an orphanage, possibly in a, a neighborhood, and those children no longer belong to the village and they no longer be, and they don't belong to the neighborhood mm. and they're displaced. Mm. And we've seen that happen where there are these displaced people groups as a result of intervention that was intended uh, with mercy and grace and care. Um, and so we need to be very careful of not mixing our culture in. And mm. what you said, Mike, is to embrace uh, what is good in African culture and build on that. Mm this mm. idea of community living and that's what Orchard Africa has done right from the get-go is to embrace that strength that we see in African culture which is community living and not individuals me right. and my spouse and our two kids us four and no more it's mm -hmm. more well how does the community mm. benefit from what mm. we do well, it gets back to that statement you made about uh, embracing the why. Mm. Um, <clears throat> honestly, if, if we're going to pass the baton on to the next generation, uh, we have to engage the hearts of the next generation in the why. Mm. Uh, in this instance, the why is God says pure religion is caring for widows and orphans in their distress. That's the why. Um, the method is... I think one of the reasons why generation after generation keeps on starting over is because we try and pass on methods of doing things mm. instead of mm. the heart of God, mm. which is eternal, mm. of right. why do we do things. Mm. Right. And so, sure, let's change the methods. You said mm. uh, they have an expiration date. Of course they do. Mm. Um, even in our lifetime, we've seen <laughs> methods and strategies change, and we've had to um, 
kind of look again. But you don't uh, destroy the foundation. Right. You don't destroy what has been built just because the method is bad. You find a better method mm. and you keep building. And there's, uh, there's a why that is eternal. Uh, and that's what we have tapped into for us is that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Mm. And so for us at Orchard Africa, we're coming alongside Jesus in building his church. And that's why we say that it's uh, we equip the church to care for the vulnerable. Mm. We work alongside the church. For us, we exist for the church. Mm. Mm. And uh, we see that as a, an eternal why. Jesus is building his church. But we have not in our mission statement or in what we embrace put a method. Mm. The why mm. is Jesus is building his church and therefore we will come alongside that. Mm. And build the church with him generation after generation the the methods will change so so let's talk about uh well how do we pass on the why yeah uh, let's get the why right let's mm -hmm. make sure that we're not passing on strategies because the best people to develop strategies are probably those younger generations in their own context yes yes but how do we pass on that Awareness, And I want to offer that in three different questions. So as the church, how do we pass on the baton? Uh, how do we do that as a church, as parents, and then as individuals? And so let's start with the church. Mm, what, great what church. can we do as the church to pass on this missional heart to mm. the next, next generation? Mm. Uh, Michelle mentioned those years of 16 to 26 when <coughs> you mentioned too. Those were the years where somehow our heart got engaged mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. what we wanted to do with our lives. And so from a church perspective, those years are so critical. Um, and it goes beyond having fun at a youth group meeting or young adults that are out doing things that you know entertain young adults. Uh, those are the years where I believe the church has got such a crucial responsibility of engaging mm -hmm. that age group in things that matter, yes. uh, justice in the world, that there are vulnerable people in the world, exposing them to people outside of the little comfort zone or the, the, the box in which so many of us can easily live. Mm -hmm. um, giving young people an opportunity to, to go out and, and experience that not everybody in the world lives like you do. Mm -hmm. And there's something that you can potentially do to make a difference mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. lives of those mm -hmm. people. Mm. Right. I mm. think it's to engage them um, intellectually and emotionally. Mm. Uh, sometimes we think young people don't think as deeply as we do. But looking back um, on my journey, I recall at the age of 14 asking my dad every morning uh, for a long time, for months, to drop me off at the little church that I attended at 5 a.m., for a prayer meeting, and the prayer meeting was about a, a war that was going on on the border of South Africa. And we would gather at this church and pray about the war. But the pastor was so smart and so clever. He not only had us pray, but he, he put little things out there like, well, now we're going to pray for who we think is the enemy. So whoever you think is the enemy in this war, let's pray for them and mm. their family and their children. And mm. it stopped at 14 and made me think, oh, wait, you know, this is not just about 
what my parents say or what the news is saying about the war. There's more to it. And, and he planted little seeds that made us think deeply. Mm. And I would say that those early morning prayer meetings were probably what engaged me more than the Friday night youth group where we played ping pong or whatever it was that we were doing. <laughs> and I, I, I relate that story to remind us that, you know, children at the age of 14 can think intellectually, mm -hmm. can think through issues, can see different sides of a story and can um, process that. And I think that's where God starts working in our hearts at those young tender ages. If we as the church are intentional in dropping those little seeds mm -hmm. and engaging them at that level. Mm -hmm. yeah, not, I mean, talking, uh, not talking down to them as, yes. as young yes. people, and, but talking to them <coughs> as uh, uh, young adults, growing adults. Yes. And you know, one of the things we've said as parents is that uh, we're not raising kids. Uh, we're, we're raising future adults. Mm. That's very and good. At some mm. point, we need to start addressing them and talking to them and helping them think through adult things. And right. Not, yeah, it's not all about ping pong and TikTok. Well, I mean, if we talk about the TikTok generation, mm. uh, because of uh, social media and the exposure of this generation to all kinds of social media, there's such an awareness, far greater than mm. I ever had at that age, of what's going on in the world. Mm. Very and good, uh, yes. To, to engage that generation in, in intellectual conversation, as you said, mm. ask them their opinion, help them to see different sides of the story, uh, e expose them to experiences where they can m maybe physically be involved mm -hmm. in, in a situation that they've just heard about on social media. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm convinced that experiences engage the heart far more than mm. uh, sermons or, or par parental lectures mm. or, you know, the pastor yeah. saying, you must do this because that's mm. your Christian duty. Mm -hmm. Just create an experience. Right, and I think if I can jump in there about an experience and maybe just um, give a plug for what we do at Orchard Africa, is we very intentionally create multi-generational short-term mission trips. Mm. So that it's not just a bunch of old people or a bunch of youth, but we mix it up and mm. we're intentional yeah. about that. Because it's at that level that you can see mm. young people grappling with um, world issues. Mm on a mission trip where they're seeing the vulnerable, they're seeing the issues. Um, and so often in the small group meetings in the evenings, we've seen how young people come up with the most astounding insights that perhaps the older generation have not seen. And so I think being very intentional about exposing them to um, real mm. issues in the world and as you said giving them those experiences uh, I think it's fun for for kids to go on kids camps and kids mission trips but there's something about that multi-generational mm -hmm. setting that I think uh, God loves mm. too. Our oldest daughter Chloe she's benefited from exactly what you're describing there and was on a mission trip uh, with her church 14 years old, and it was in one of those evening debrief times after a day of missions where multi-generational group of people were sitting around and talking about what they experienced that day, and then were pointing out, hey, Chloe, when you saw that girl in need and you went over to her and you mm -hmm. spent time with her, this is the impact that wow. that had. And yes. 
pointing out the way that they're seeing God at work in her and then allowing her to to share and to give her mm. insights. And, mm. you know, there's the Generation Z is what uh, our, our kids are in. And they have so much to offer and may even be the most empathetic generation that's alive today. They grew up with uh, 9-11, kind of right out of the gate when they were born. And then um, there was big economic Great Recession crash Mm -hmm. of 2008. And then now they've been through this pandemic. And so their formational years have been a, a real challenge. And they've seen a lot of hurt and in, in light of that, there uh, may be the most positioned to mm. be able to be a generation that has compassion for the vulnerable. And so being willing to listen to their perspective and and mm. value the assets that they bring, because they are the church right. today. It's not like they're the church later. They're, no, no, they're, they're part the church of today. the church. And uh, what they're seeing and experiencing is real <clears throat> and I think needs to be listened to. And uh, I love uh, what you said about people pointing out that, oh, Chloe, when you did this, um, I think that is that experience of uh, engaging the younger generation. I think another way in which the church can engage the younger generation is by um, recommending (coughs) good books to them. Uh, recommending podcasts. Mm. I think so often we do that to our own generation. Hey, I was reading this great book. Why? Mm. Yet our teenagers are reading incredible stuff at at school. And why not give them incredible stuff in the church to engage their minds and engage their souls as well? And that's part of what we as the older generation can do is take a book that we've read and we think is really exceptional and go to a young person Mm -hmm. and say, you know, I was thinking about you and I think you'll enjoy this book Mm -hmm. and I'd love to discuss it with you when you read it. Take them out to Starbucks or BlackRock. I've found (laughs) (laughs) my kids, if they're listening to this, that um, the best way to get uh, a teenager to talk is to buy them caffeine with a lot of sugar in it. (laughs) At the cool place. Yeah, at the cool cool place. (laughs) Yep, Mm -hmm. yep. Mm. Whatever it takes, but uh, engage them intellectually Mm. and not always assume that they want to have fun. You Mm. know, the younger generation, when I was 14, I knew where to find Mm. fun. Uh, from the church is not necessarily what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for boring at the church, mm-hmm. but I wasn't looking for fun at the church. Mm-hmm. I was looking to engage mm-hmm. with Christ in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's got to be a balance there. Yeah. 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 So w- what about parents? What, what can we do as parents? Well, you are the parent of this generation yes. we're talking about. Yes. So how about some insights yeah. from you? Well, one moment... Um, sticks out in my mind as I was thinking about uh, Chloe again when she was young. And I was lead pastor of a church in Michigan, and we were just getting to know Orchard Africa, and you both had come and spoke, I think it was maybe 10 years ago, yeah, weren't a, you saying, uh, 10 years yeah, ago was. today or this weekend? Or this week. Uh, you were uh, speaking at our church, and then we invited you over to our house to talk a little about your story. And specifically for you to talk to about your story to our kids. Yeah. Mm. And I remember Chloe sitting there. Um, we had already been reading missionary stories together. And then here now are some real missionaries, you know, people who serve <laughs> in another country. And 
um, in her living room. And so it gave her a chance to ask some questions and mm. it gave you a chance to share your story. And she asked all kinds of questions. Uh, I remember um, there were just a whole list of things you might not expect she was going to, mm. she's going to ask. And she did a great job because I remember mm. that. And I do remember thinking, gosh, I hope I don't blow this because <laughs> she's so vulnerable <laughs> and right. at such an age yeah. where uh, what I'm saying is going to make mm. a difference. Mm. As a parent, though, that was very, very smart mm. because uh, the easiest thing in the world would have been for you as the lead pastor of the church to say, my wife and I are going to now spend time entertaining the missionary couple, visitors at our church. You go and Kids, play. go play, go watch mm. TV, go do something, mm. but you know, just don't um, disrupt our conversation. Mm. And mm. to actually have them in the room and, mm. I mean, 10 years down the road, the impact of that... Mm. She still talks about it. It's yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we did that as well. Um, when we had guest speakers at our church, we used to like having regular guest speakers, and we always made sure that our children were present at the lunch afterwards mm. uh, to expose them to different ministries and to different styles and to different people. And um, I know uh, my kids have, have really valued that. Because we made them feel a part of the church, a part of the family, part of the intellectual conversation that was going mm. on at the table with mm. our guest speakers. But, I mean, besides that, we, we were pastoring a church, um, but we were parents. Mm. And uh, getting back to the experience, um, the value of experiences, as parents, we intentionally took our children to some of the areas where we were working amongst mm -hmm. the most vulnerable people mm -hmm. and help them to see that this is just very down the road from where you live. There are people your age, people who uh, play soccer and, 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 and like dolls like you do, but mm. they live so differently from you. And uh, just, again, uh, not excluding them mm. from the important work of the ministry, but engaging them at a level where something can lodge in their heart and possibly form mm. their mm. lives for generations mm. to come. Right, and both our children have a real heart for justice as mm. a result of that. Mm. Uh, growing up and they're seeing the disparity between their lives and people who live just a little bit away from them. And uh, they both have a, a real love and heart for justice. Well, I mean, one of the things my son and his wife do now, they have uh, children eight, seven, and five. And uh, there's a food bank uh, <coughs> in town, and it, once a month, they take their children to go and pack food mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm. uh, go and <coughs> volunteer at the food bank. Mm -hmm. And again, the, the idea is there are people who don't have food like you do. Mm -hmm. There are people that have to come and pick up or be given food, mm -hmm. and you're packing food to serve somebody and help somebody and be a blessing somebody. Right. Something's happening in those kids' hearts. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I think of our grandson, our oldest grandson. Uh, a couple of months back, we went uh, into a community and we intentionally brought him with. Our son felt that uh, they were ready. And just watching him, look around mm. him and experience, just watching him experience what he was experiencing in this community that uh, is so vulnerable. And I thought he would be uncomfortable. But he, when it was time to go, he said to me, do we have to leave? Mm. Can mm. we not stay a little mm. longer? Mm. And that to me is this multi-generational passing on of this baton, mm. which is beautiful mm. to see happening. So as parents, 
expose our children, involve them. Don't think that the minister one day when you're an adult, <coughs> you can get involved in ministry. Uh, you're never too young mm-hmm. to start a journey. Right. Well, what if you're not a church director, or a missions director, or maybe you're not a parent of of a younger teen, teenager or a child anymore? Um, what can an individual do? What what kind of impact? And my my first thought is, uh, you could be a sender. Mm. Yes. And I think of again my own story of uh, our kids being involved in missions. That there were so many people who saw the vision of developing them. And giving them those opportunities to have those experiences that funded their their mission trip, their mission experiences, and mm. and then uh, we're diligent too to come back and say, "I want to hear the story. Tell me, tell me what you saw, and tell me what yes. you experienced." Mm. And, mm. Which was right. really great for them to be able to then articulate, "Here's what I saw, and here's what God did, and mm. here's what I learned as I a result that. of that." Mm. Yes. So you yes. can be a sender. You can, and you can engage, as we uh, spoke about, not only can the church engage uh, younger people, but individuals can. Uh, you yourself, if you've read a great book or if you're listening to a good podcast, is engage with the younger generation in your church or in your family. Um, be intentional about this passing of the baton. And sometimes it's somebody else who's not the parent, who says the exact same thing as the parent, yeah. who the kids say, they're uh, brilliant. And yeah. so if there are Don't people you in your life <laughs> who uh, can be an influencer, we have another family in our life that uh, they would say the exact same things that we say, but they're not our kids' parents. Mm. And right. they come back and say, you'll never believe what they said. And I was yeah. like, well, yeah, well, that's great. I, did, I didn't say, we always tell you that, but <laughs> but we know that it takes sometimes another adult mm. saying the same thing to right. make an impact. Right, and to, to reinforce what you know is happening in the home and in the church mm. and to reinforce that and be intentional. You know, so often you hear about people who uh, are retired and they say, nobody listens to me anymore. Mm. Um, I've become obsolete. No, no, no. Never. Uh, as long as you have breath in your body, God wants to use you. Mm. And so often, you know, it's like the grandparent ger- generation that can talk to you. Uh, those younger ones and mm. be intentional in the church you, you're you not obsolete you have uh, a ministry still left in you mm. everybody can be an influencer right um, even if you're not on TikTok right mm. um, be an encourager I, I remember when I was young this was late teens early 20s somebody said to me and at the time it didn't make sense I didn't know what he was talking about Uh, But he said words that stuck with me and still are with me. He said, my God is going to use you to reach many, many young people all over the world. Me? (laughs) (laughs) But (coughs) from his perspective, he was seeing something in me that gave him hope that my life was going to make a difference in the lives of other people somewhere down the road. And he took the time to encourage me. He took the time to speak words that would influence me. Mm. Um, isn't it wonderful and I think that every one of us can do that if you see a young person who's searching who's asking who who you just see is full of energy Mm. uh, use your words and use your influence to influence to encourage to spur them on to love and good works like the scripture Mm. says yeah I was going to say isn't it wonderful that decades later you still you'd remember those words Mm. and so our words are not empty 
our words are filled with mm. uh, life that we can pass on. Mm. So imagine, kind of in conclusion, if we had a hundred year vision for the impact that, that we can have, that we would pass that on and it would last beyond our life. You know, the worst thing to do is to die with the baton in your hand. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, you, that sounds terrible. <laughs> you you, you got to pass that on. Yeah. And have a vision for mm. not only uh, the impact I can make in my own life, but who who's going to take that baton from me and... Mm. Um, and in a hundred years, imagine the impact and influence that my lifetime c- could have. Yeah. Right, right. You know, it reminds me of that scripture that I uh, referenced earlier in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, where the last part of that scripture says, but each one should build with care. Mm. That's an instruction to us. Mm. That there was those who came before, I built to men, those will come after, but each one should build with care. And it's uh, part of our calling to build, but to do so with care, which to me speaks of intentionality and to uh, hold this lightly and to be careful of how we pass it on and what we do. And so that's part of uh, our calling is to each one should build with Mm. care. Mm. That's so good. Part of that care, if I can just add to that, coming back to something we said earlier, is uh, be careful that we build in alignment with the why mm. of mm. what we yeah, do and what we key. want to pass on. Yeah. Because if, if, if our why is aligned with the heart of God, that why will be eternal, and then it's generational. But if all we're interested in is, is passing on uh, methods and strategies... And we're going to frustrate the next generation. Yes. So yes. for me, the care is make sure that your focus is on why you do and not how you do and what you do. Very mm. good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, no matter who you are listening to this, if you're a church leader or you're a parent or you're someone who loves Jesus and is trying to find him, what we're hearing today is, and what you should hear today is, uh, there's an opportunity for you to make mm. an incredible mm. impact through your life and passing that on to the next generation. We could, we could keep going. Uh, I think yeah. there's so much in this topic, but let's land that uh, here for now and um, look forward to the next conversation that, that we have as we continue to have conversations together about making an impact. Mm. And, Absolutely. Uh, sharing the message of hope in Christ to a world in need. Yep. Well, bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye.